Welcome to Finding Neurodivergence, a quick bite. These quick bites will be either letting out a rant or giving out a quick tip. Some may even be a glimpse of how we're dealing with something in our life. Either way, you'll enjoy it. And if you don't, blame COVID. Hey, um, Susie. Hello. It's great to be here. Um, yes. We have a really good quick bite that I got to get off my chest, and I was talking about it early. So welcome to Finding Neurodivergence. This is your host, Suzanne Shepard, with... Patty Crouch. Yes. Um, we... I wanted, I was telling Patty today, there's a podcast that I listen to that we both love and respect. It's the Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard and Monica yes. Padman. I love it because they Dak Shepard talks openly about his dyslexia, and then I feel like Monica always brings in this diversity clause. Like, she's very mindful She that. is. I love her. Um, they're my pretend best friends, even though I don't know them at all. Um, so anyway, and we we actually, a lot of this podcast is modeled after their format where it's more free form. So I was listening to one of their podcasts. They were interviewing an author called Wendy Mogul. She's a PhD. She wrote many children's um, parenting books. One of them, she wrote A Blessing of a Skin Knee, which I read a long time ago. And it was it was referred to me by the principal of um, one of my kids' elementary school. Um I'm assuming that that's basically like struggle is good. Yeah, it's basically the net net is let your kids fail and then be there to pick them up and move on. So it sounds it, good. Now we don't have to read it. Okay. Now we don't have to read it. Um, but so anyway, but it was a decent one. And I her philosophy was one that I, I, I agree with. And she's written other books. So this is not to disparage her. But what I do want to say is that I was listening to the podcast and they were interviewing her. And it was a very long podcast, but one of the points of the podcast that came up twice that really, really um, kind of disturbed me. And I want to shine a light on this. It irks you. Like it really, it really it irked, irked me. You and it's been sitting with you because you immediately. So before that we start recording, we normally kind of just go, what's going on? And we kind of right, right. talk and get things off our chest or whatever that we need to do, you know, live life with each other for a little bit. And then we normally record. And I was like, why are we not recording this? Because you were definitely irked by this and something that I feel like our listeners would yeah. benefit from. And, I, and also I think it's you know, they have a really strong following. So <laughs> yeah, a couple million, couple you know, million, pretty you strong. Know, whatever. And we got um, our 57. Yeah, we're getting there, man. So I think, so one of the things she said was they, um, Dax asked her about, he has younger kids. They're not on social media yet. And he said, do you, what are the big things that you see have changed in raising children? And one of the obvious ones would be, you know, social media. So he right. said, what are the concerns about social media? And one of the things she said is, this cyber stalking of your children is overblown and it's not something really that we should be worried about. I'm paraphrasing it. So I apologize if I'm getting it wrong, but basically that was the net of it. And then it went into more social media is going to suck the soul of your kids because it sucks them in and draws their attention and it's addictive, which I agree with a hundred percent. So she was saying that the way it changed was that it just basically is a time suck. Yeah, like and it, it, it draws the kids' attention and takes away from other things they should be interested in, right? Right. But what I want to say is that that's not true at all. I no. see and monitor, the girls aren't on social media, but I see and I monitor um, my son's social media, and there's a lot of fishing going on. And there's a lot of fishing going on with a lot of people his age. And what I mean with fishing is that there's a lot of people out there even when their accounts are private, that are trying to entice your children, especially your teenage children, about um, 
dating and hey, let's chit chat and things like that. And they're coming in through their friends of friends. So it's a really big issue. Well, there's two things to this. There's one, like the stranger danger, right? Yep. And now stranger danger isn't in a white van. It's on it's online. Snapchat. It's on all these social media yeah. platforms. Yeah. And the I've been teaching the girls, even though they don't have social media, that if you don't, if you can't like give them a physical hug or like see them in person, like you shouldn't be friends with them. Like that's just the downline. If you don't know what they look like in person, then you shouldn't be friends with them and talking with them. Because even they just got phones this summer and even randomly they get these text messages like, I'm your cousin. Did it? I'm like, what? Yeah. And, and Zandy luckily is not to me going, uh, what's this about? And mm-hmm. part of me is like, well, okay, maybe it's a wrong number. But a part of me is also feeling like she has an 818 number. Another person around 818 is going to like try to figure something out, you know? Um, so it's happening. Like it's happening. Like there's that part of, like I've heard stories of like FBI's having stings trying to capture people who are, you know, targeting like the teenage brain and trying to blackmail them into money every single month, you know? Yeah. And I mean, there's FBI stings. So how can you say it's overblown if the FBI have a whole department dedicated yeah, to and, like capturing and, these things and, tra- and capturing these people who are blackmailing and getting them money or sex or like all these yeah. things. Like that makes no sense. And then the other aspect is the cyberbullying. Like there's a whole nother section of like I know. now you don't have to be in the classroom and in person to get bullied and on the playground. Like you can be bullied. Yeah. On, you know, and I was watching a show. Adam Sandler has that new movie. Um, You're so not invited in my bat, bat mitzvah. And it's good. It's funny. Um, But she was talking like there's a whole like her school had an Instagram account just for spreading rumors and lies. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like how so the whole cyberbullying in itself is there. Yeah. I think it's really naive her statement. And so I just want to go on the record and say that from my experience and from my friend's experience and from my relative's experience That is not the case at all. It is a really, really big danger. The LAPD has a whole, um, they have a crimes unit dedicated to it, actually. And, you know, the FBI just, I was reading like a couple months ago, did a huge thing where they arrested like 200 people in the U.S. alone that were um, catfishing and trying to lure kids in that were teenagers. Um, So it's very dangerous. I don't want people to feel a sense of security by being told by someone that's an expert that it doesn't really, it doesn't, it's not really that concern. And I also think that it's the kids doing it to each other too. So my, one of my um, nephews, someone at his school, a kid at his school, and this happens too, this is another thing, was um, photoshopping pictures of girls at the school onto naked girls' bodies and sending them out. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So this is a kid in a high school that is doing this. And so he's sending out these pictures to other children. So it's it's like they're doing it to each other, and it's not. This kid isn't an evil kid. It's just because they have access to it. It's because they're risk takers. It's because they're not thinking with her head straight and it's because these kids don't understand they grew up with phones and social media and access to 
all of this tech that we didn't. And I would say Wendy Mogul is even older than us. And so for them, it's just innate. Like it's part of their world, you know, and they have like a really high comfort level of what they do and what they say within that world. And it's not safe because there are people out there that are coming in and targeting these kids and they're doing it to each other. It's crazy. It's insane how how comfortable people are behind a screen. Like people would are, will say things that they wouldn't even think about saying yeah. in front of someone else. Yeah. So what I'm going to say is I'd like to set the record straight that unequivocally from my experience, my friend's experience, my family's experience, that there have been multiple incidents where these kids, especially in their teen years, have been like catfished or tried to lure in or tried to be poked or introduced by someone that's not a real person um, who has malicious intention. And the FBI is aware of it. It's a real problem. The LAPD, we are, you know, we live in LA, the LAPD is aware of it. So I just would like to just counter that. And, and I would welcome actually Wendy Mogul, hi, if you're listening, and Dax to go back and really look at that and maybe correct that information, um, especially because their listener base is so bigger, is much bigger than ours. But this is my other issue with it is that even if it's not like it's not overblown, it's happening. Why wouldn't you err on the safe side? Like, why wouldn't you just be like, I don't still know. Still teach your children internet safety. Yeah. Still teach your children all these things. Granted, things happen that are going to happen even if, you know, yeah. there is benefit to a skin to knee. But at the same time, I don't know why I pointed to my knee. Y'all can't see me. I'm on a podcast. Um, yeah. There is benefit to that. But at the same time, there's things that you need to protect them from as much as you can. So why not just still teach the internet safety of like, if you don't know their name and can't see them, then don't friend them. Don't talk to them. You know, it's not even that. I mean, I think all parents probably do unless like, I don't know because there's like you, the reason why my daughters aren't on YouTube is because it's a rabbit hole. It is a rabbit hole. A couple years ago, there were like videos of people of some video of them telling people to kill themselves like teenagers to kill themselves yeah in the middle of like a children's video kind of thing so it's I like, know I know I, I think we need to do all those things like just yeah. like we tell the kids to ride a helmet when they ride their bike we need to tell them not to talk to people they don't know on the internet right. and not go to sites that they shouldn't be going to and put protective things in there and it's probably still going to happen because it's well, happening. that's what I mean it's like you can what I was going to say is like I'm sure you know I'm sure that Wendy would advise all of that but what I think that the missing beat is that you don't even if you do all of that it still can happen because there's a sense especially there's a sense of like if you're if your kids have private accounts and things like that there's people that come in through their friends and you have to know that that nothing and nothing is private honestly people can get in any way they want you know what I mean? They can wormhole the way in any way they want so I think it's naive to say that that's not a primary issue with social media because I think it is one of the number one primary issues. Oh, you know, number one in terms of safety. Um, I think it's another conversation that's probably going to be added to the list. You know, of we have conversations with our daughters of consent and no means no, and what you do when someone try. You know, like we have those conversations. Yeah, and I think now we have to add this internet conversation as well. You know, like I have conversations, like it's going to be added to the list of things that I need to talk to my kids about yeah. so that they're aware because you're right. 
we can put all these protocols in place and they still may skin a knee, you know, they still may be. They will because that's their playground now. Yeah. So I think it's just a matter of how serious of a situation they get themselves in. So that's one. So, um, so, I'm gonna... so parents talk to your kids about it too. This, yeah. Like, this is have like, a conversation yeah. saying there are evil people out there that may try to do this. And if it does, you come to me, like have another conversation of, yeah, and they may you know? say they know someone that you know, or they may look like a friend of a friend, or they may, you know what I mean? So there's all these other ways that, you know, um, that things happen where parents would say, oh my, oh, that would never happen. But there's ways that they get in that are, um, look like they can be someone they could know. Does that make yeah. sense? It always makes, like, it reminds me of all the documentaries that it's like, you didn't seem like a serial killer, you know? Like, yeah, but you, we are, you know Yeah, but I mean? they were, you yeah, know? Yeah, but they were. So... Just be aware of what to do if it happens and talk to your... It's another conversation to have, which sucks. Yeah, and it does suck. But, you know, at the New York... The article about the sting, the FBI sting, was in the New York Times. And I want to say it was in the New York Times, August of 2023. So if you read the New York Times, go back and read it. But it was all over the news. I was actually on CNN, too, where what was interesting is they did this sting about 200 people that were soliciting children for child pornography and creating child pornography and taking pictures of children, um, eliciting children's nude photos online and things like that. But the people that were doing it where they were saying they were, they were people that worked in it. So they were people that worked at organizations or like a company and were running the company's it organization. So these are people that have jobs, go to work. And one of them I want to say even was like a kid counselor, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's not, it's pretty sophisticated ring of people. It's, it could be anyone. It could be anyone. So I think we're naive to think that that doesn't exist. Um, I think it's the same thing with, like, we were always taught stranger danger. And statistically speaking, it's someone you know. Exactly. You know? And it's like the same thing here. It's going to be someone you know or someone of someone you know. In the sense of, like, possibly yeah. getting into your, like, it's going to be someone that, even if your account is private, can still come in. Yeah, can wormhole into your account. So that's that. Um and then the second thing, it was, it was interesting because it was consecutive. I think the conversation was after this. It was about um, that, you know, Dax is dyslexic and he talks about that, which I love. And that's one of the other things I love that he talks about. But he asked Wendy, you know, it seems like parents are getting um, frenzied about having their kids diagnosed with um, learning disabilities or disorders. And he felt it was, um, he was asking her, like, do you think it's overblown? And she agreed almost wholeheartedly. And from coming from our perspective, obviously, with this podcast, is that she was saying that in the past, many, many kids had been underdiagnosed. And I would say my kids are um, in their teens. And Marla was, you know, we got Marla diagnosed about, what was it, seven years ago? And it was hard to get her diagnosed, right? It wasn't hard because I did it myself. But I had to make an effort with the school, even though it was plainly obvious she was so behind, even in kindergarten, first grade, right? She was like, you know, crickets couldn't do anything. But if I hadn't intervened, she would have just been pushed through the system. Yeah. Um, and so they, um, so she said, yes. So, but now she said, now I feel like it's completely, I think it's overblown again. I'm paraphrasing it. In fact, some of the schools have hired me because so many parents are going to the schools and asking for diagnosis or um, IPs or evaluations, and she feels it swung the other way too far to the right. 
um, and it needs to be a self-correct. And I would argue, um, again, I disagree with that. I really do. And I think one of the markers is that in New York, the mayor of New York, they announced that for the school district in New York, every kid that comes in is going to be screened for dyslexia, which, yes, let's do that. Why, Why are we waiting? Not? Why are we waiting? Because early screening, early intervention, and then early help. And yeah. then a kid's not going to have to struggle so much. So I also think that's a really dangerous thing to say. I definitely think is it and it's it's we're now more aware and we're getting better and better at yeah. realizing all of these nuances and learning so much yeah about the brain yeah like neuroscience is if you look at it it's only like 30 years old like that's I know nothing you know, I know. they've I been know. doing dentist work since the 1800s you know like but yeah this whole neuro the neuro field is just so recent, really, right? Yeah. So to to like label it that like, yes, we were underdiagnosed because we weren't aware. I also feel like we're just more aware. So it's not necessarily that they're being overdiagnosed. It's just that we're aware of what's yeah happening. Yeah. And then the reason, and then the other part is, is she's in California in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah. In, in an affluent area of Los Angeles. West side. Mm-hmm. You know? So in my head going, well, who are you, like, what's your daily demographic looking like? Yeah. Because I've been sitting in, like, and don't get me wrong, we're in an affluent area, not as affluent, but, like, we're in yeah. a good area. And I'm looking at the test scores, and you know what? The black students are still testing way below than all these other students, you know? Like, there's still a disparity of how... Yep. Things are written and how things are doing. So like go to the foster care system. Are those kids being over diagnosed? Diagnosed? No. Are the people in Compton being overdiagnosed? Like like economic area? Like you know what I'm saying? Like where like are, are you taking a demographic from everywhere and being able to truly say These that? Are, yeah. Or are you taking it from the people you're seeing who happen to have the money to be able to afford to see you? Yeah, and I think the issue is, you know, she was saying that, you know, parents are coming to her because their kids are getting bees and they want a diagnosis because they don't, you know, which I, you know what, I do see a lot of that. But what I don't see is, and I have to tell you, is because my kids went to, they went to a public school in L.A., but it was, it's a very good public school. And when I was in the meetings for my daughter seven years ago, there was a lot of first generation people of color in those meetings where they were the kids that had quote unquote, were behind in reading. And that's what they said. They, they were behind in reading, so they needed catching up. But they weren't offering any of these parents, di- you know, evaluations or even telling them what an IEP was. And they were doing that on purpose because they didn't want to have a widespread panic and have everyone ask for it, um, an evaluation, which legally they're allowed to ask for. So I think that it is naive to say that what she said. I think that there is probably a whole section of socioeconomic people that are not being diagnosed at all because the parents don't have the language, either they're first generation or they didn't grow up with anyone that was diagnosed. They don't have the language. They don't have the financial resources. They don't have the the knowledge resources. They don't don't have have a school that's going to be working for them. They don't have lots of things that I have. Right. And I think that um, we need to continue to push the schools for evaluations. And if we need to have a mandatory evaluation like they do in New York, then let's do it. Because the here's the thing, is that the cost of not diagnosing a child that is dyslexic 
or is autistic or has ADHD or, or, or is so damaging to that child in so many ways. And if you don't catch it early enough, they're going to hate school. They're not going to want to go to school. They're going to have anxiety like, you know, your daughter's Andy. And then, you know, when you decide it's okay to diagnose them, they're go- you're, you've lost them basically in the system. And again, and the other thing too, which she does talk about Wendy Mogul, is that all of the research on ADHD and autism has been done on boys. Okay. So, and probably dyslexia, but I know for sure autism and ADHD. So who knows how many girls are running around on the spectrum undiagnosed or with ADHD? You know what I'm saying? Because they don't know how to look for it in girls. You know, so. so crazy. I, so what I'm saying is I respect you, Wendy. I respect you, Dax, Dr. Mogul, but I really think you need to rethink those statements and I think that they need to be readdressed and I'd love to see you guys readdress them on your podcast after you've done a little bit more digging because I don't think it is fair to stigmatize parents which we have and we know so many parents of being hysterical or overwrought or trying to make your kid quote-unquote perfect because you want your child to have a fair and equitable education just like every other child. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's not fair. Me too. And I'm still going to listen. No, I love them. I love them. I still listen to them. Well, that's the beauty of being able to do... That's the beauty of, like, America, I feel like, that people don't realize, is that, you know, we can disagree, and you can have a conversation, and we can talk about it, and we can figure it out. Um, And then correct the wrong when you were wrong, and take ownership of it, and also you know stand by it if you need to stand by it but you can't stand by this because there's too much research against it um agreed sense. all right all right catch you we later gotta have dax in the show we're going to but we okay. have to bring monica with her i don't know i love monica okay bye. bye thank you for listening we truly appreciate it please subscribe to finding neurodivergence through anchor spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast 